Hey everyone, this is Build Your Bottom Line. A production of Treadstone Risk Management. I'm Matt. And I'm Alan. Our mission is to bring together real estate investors, developers, management firms, and contractors to share tips, tricks, hacks, and even some laughs. We want to save you money, protect your business and reputation, and, and build your, your bottom line. It says, and help build your bottom line. You're gonna say, you gotta, you're gonna... Dumbass. Dumbass. That's the intro right there. Cut it. <laughs> Canned it. <laughs> That's how we do. I are are you uh Have you ever gotten a call from a job site and one of your guys says, Hey, I found it like that? <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, um are, are are you in a riot? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> well, just, yeah, it's just a nor, you know normal Thursday on the job site. Just a normal day on the construction site. <laughs> um, wow, where am I? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> this is Build Your Bottom Line, a production of Treadstone Risk Management. Um, as usual, like, comment, subscribe, share, hit the notification bell retweet get this thing out there um definitely connect to us uh if you are watching on some other platform but you do have a youtube account please go over there and throw us a subscribe on the brandy spanking new youtube channel um that would be very very much appreciated help us get some subs on there and help the algorithm work for us and all kinds of other stuff um, while I am sharing this stuff out on social media, how about you, Alan, tell the very fantastic people what we were going to be talking about this evening. Today, we're going to recommend to you maintenance cycles, equipment cycles. I, I've always called them equipment cycles. Basically, you know, one piece of equipment goes out for service. You bring another one in for service. Keeps things running fresh and clean and new and, you know. You get that new car smell when they clean it out after a while. And things like this are less likely to happen. Don't happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because things like this make people go, huh, I don't think they know what they're doing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I I would think so. (laughs) I mean, you Uh, know, I've heard it. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard customers can question things like that you know what's really funny is to like today of all days i'm driving into the office and i am behind a landscaping pickup truck and i mean before i even tell the story you automatically know the condition of this vehicle oh, that i'm driving behind um it, in it the looks, dark uh, has large holes of rust in it yeah it looked like it went through world war ii <laughs> is basically what happened um now that being said it's just a pickup truck, and I'm sure it's extremely effective of taking things from place A to place B, right? But that being said, um, a very you know finely tuned piece of equipment, such as the one behind you, uh, mm. which is also, by the way, typically dramatically more expensive than just your garden variety pickup truck that's out there. Yeah, just a smidge. Um, re- really needs to be maintained uh, to be kept in good working order for a number of reasons. So before we get into like the the how and and what, um, let's talk about the why. So why would you want to essentially, you know, cycle out bad equipment, cycle in new equipment, and then, you know, basically have in place a maintenance schedule? Because when it's sitting, it ain't making money. 
plain mm. and simple. If it, if if you have a nice big parking lot and you have fifteen backhoes all parked in nice little parking spaces in a nice neat row, but they ain't digging holes, they ain't making money. They're costing mm. money. Yeah, yeah. I it, it is um it is very much a you know value conversation, right? It mm. is very much a all right. You know what do we have on the books assets wise. And what does it cost us to, uh, you know, maintain slash store those or, you know, keep them in uh, uh, out there, you know, producing or working? And then what revenue can be generated off of it, right? Um, And so I think the, the most immediate answer is obviously when you're, you know, when your forklift or when your backhoe and your front loader are on fire, um, they you are obviously not wrong. making you money. <laughs> no, no. They're probably so, costing you money and costing your insurance company money. Yes. And your insurance company doesn't like having their money spent. <laughs> uh, uh, no, they try to avoid that. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, and, so there's, there's also um, a couple of other types of liability, basically, that brings into yeah. play, right? So there's a financial reason, and then there's also what, like the worker safety aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, it ter- turns out workers don't like being burned on job sites. <laughs> uh, uh, Unless I, you're lucky enough to hire those, like, you know, flame retardant ones. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, what? You know, you, you've got to take worker safety into account. You have to take into your account your client's property because guess who's liable if your client's property gets destroyed? Mm. <laughs> yeah, you, your clients aren't going to pay for it. <laughs> it's okay it happens every week yeah no no no. that's uh yeah uh, that happened last week just you know just last week um yeah so uh worker safety and then also liability right liability to the job site liability to the the um, development or the project owner and then also liability to essentially the general public or or people that might um you know be injured that are not affiliated with the actual job site um, you do not want to get involved in a hydro- hydraulic oil spill. Mm. Those are not fun to clean up, especially on certain, especially on DOT or federal land. They you know, really that, don't like that happening. That's one I even completely forgot about because that is essentially a, a pollution claim, yep. right? And um, that is, you know, hydraulic fluid. It's even things as simple as large amounts of oil, large amounts of gasoline. Um, God forbid you're working anywhere near wetlands or, you know, environmentally protected property. Uh, mm-hmm. That, you know, small things can turn into hundreds of thousands of dollars in terms of the claims amounts yes. on that pollution claim. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a liability aspect to it that also comes with it besides just the overall cost. So, um let, let's just talk about the propensity so before we get into like the nuts and bolts um some some contractors some uh real estate management firms you know some uh property owners that have equipment that service the property and things like that and even you know building owners that own and operate a large building that requires maintenance on the actual guts of the building um some are good And then Mm -hmm. some are just awful, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Why, in your experience, are the people necessarily awful at maintaining their equipment? 
Well, I mean, it, it is expensive. Uh, you know, there, there's no, there's no, you know, way to tiptoe around that. The cost of, you know, depending on what type of equipment you're running, you know, for instance, these large behemoths behind me are expensive to maintain. Their filters are expensive. Their oil is expensive. Their hoses are expensive. And most, most people have done some kind of custom work to their machine so that it creates, you know, the look that they want, the job that they want. So those are custom parts that you now have to maintain. Yeah. Um, it gets expensive quickly. Uh, you know, I, I remember using a, uh, a, 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 a trenching tool that had four tires on it. We bent a rim. That rim was like $400 for one 12 inch tire. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's an expensive, uh, expensive thing to have to replace. I, you yeah. know, I mean, that was a separate thing of me then having to tell the guy, Hey, maybe next time, don't run it off of a cliff at, you know, 500 miles an hour and that won't happen. <laughs> you know, there are, yeah. there are some things where you have to point out to the people running it that, you know, they're not designed for off-roading capabilities. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, and, and that seems mild because I mean, hell, just think about people who like, you know, uh, forget to change the oil in their car or something. I mean, you can seize engines, you can seize operating, you know, parts. Um, Another thing is make sure you guys know how much oil goes into it so that they don't put 10 quarts of oil into a five-quart engine. Because mm. you know what that does? That seizes the engine up pretty well, too. Yes, yeah. No, the... the not, the... not that I've ever seen that happen before and had a large 24-foot box truck stranded on the side of the road with an engine seized up because they tried to fix it by draining all the oil out of the engine. <laughs> We put in too much, and then we took it all out. It's fine now. <laughs> um, that that is so. That's also an interesting thing here too. Is the question of all right? So like, some people are good at maintaining, some people are poor at maintaining. I think a lot of it has to do with the the expense and also probably the time. And then maybe it's just one of those things where it's like, oh crap! Like we were supposed to do this two months ago, and I completely forgot about it. Right. Um, or, or in some case, <laughs> five years ago. Um, but uh, so there's, you know, some absent mindedness and things like that. But also the other question is whether to do it in house, right? Yes. Or to bring someone in from outside. Yeah. I would say if you are not like, you know, licensed and trained in maintaining, you know, especially when it comes to like highly sophisticated equipment, you should not be doing your own maintenance. It is a mm -hmm. risk management nightmare if you do your own maintenance on a piece of equipment it breaks down and as a result of it there's a huge amount of property damage or god forbid someone gets hurt i mean that is yeah. gigantic liability that's why you have someone else who's in the business of maintaining or repairing those pieces of equipment do it because they have insurance so that when something goes wrong you can go you know say okay well you're the one who screwed up so your insurance company pays for it mine doesn't you know, yes. um, but I, I've had a number of clients who are like, oh, yeah, no, we'll just um, we'll just do the oil changes in house. <laughs> and I was like, mm, you might not want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, listen, I, I, I'm I'm sure Marge from the office, it, you know, has a lot of experience changing oil. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> wants that's done it before, you know, multiple times before ever in their life. <laughs> yeah, I, it's I. uh I always, I, I've worked for a couple of different companies somewhere, you know, option A, B, and C was to just not maintain the equipment and, you know, fingers crossed, nothing goes bad. Yeah. Uh, B, where 
you know, they've gone, they've, they've hired people in who are, again, you know, I mean, they come in with the right paperwork, but it doesn't necessarily mean they have any experience. Cheap. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I mean, when you, when you bring somebody in, it, it, certificates are nice, um, but certificates are, one, easily forgeable, as I've discovered in the past. Mm. Two, they are not necessarily representative of the quality of the training that they received. Yeah. Um, or three, you, you, you strike gold and the guy has 20, 30 years of experience under his belt and the certificate is nice to have, but you know he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's a whole range of what you get when you bring guys in house. I would say this if you do bring somebody in house, have consider a consultant who has done it before as well. Because if you are the business owner and you've never worked on a front end loader, but you bring a guy and he says, Oh, yeah, no, not a problem. You don't know what you're talking about. So, how are you interviewing the guy who's supposed to be working on your equipment? Yes. Yeah, no, Ed, that's a good point. Like, don't think that just someone, just because someone says on their resume that they have the experience doing this stuff, that all of a sudden that makes them, you know, uh, completely knowledgeable about what they're telling you that they're they're good at. Um, I, I would agree with you. You you should, if you are going to interview someone to bring them in house, you should have like you know someone else who you know is is good at this stuff. Yeah you know, sit in and interview them or, or check their credentials and, and their references and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm sure you have a friend or a guy you know or a friend of a friend or a cousin who does it for another, you know, find somebody that can ask the right questions. Yeah, and with, there's a, with nothing, a good BS filter. Yes. Yeah. And any, any you should never be afraid to test them on their knowledge while they're there. You know, I used to, you know, I when, I when I used to hire people to do things on roofs, mm-hmm. I'd never sent somebody up on a roof during the interview, but you know what I had them do? Load and unload a ladder from the top of a truck. That mm-hmm. tells me if they've ever been on a roof or not. <laughs> can they take yes. the ladder off the truck and can they set it up? Do they know how to carry it? Do, yeah. they, know, do they know, you know, how, how high up the roof you're supposed to go so that you safely get on and off the roof? They don't necessarily have to go up there. But if he goes and he can't figure out how to undo the strap to get the ladder off, he's never dealt with a ladder in his life. Yeah. <laughs> I, you, you definitely have to double check because, look, in certain environments, I mean, especially with the environment right now where um, a lot of skilled labor is in high demand, um, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, are not skilled, but they will try and take advantage of the, you know, the economic circumstance. So, uh, that's that's a good point. I think the the other answer or, or the other um, thing to think about is that you know if if you are going to do it in house, you need to make it worth your while to like have enough volume. So like if you think you're gonna just shave off a couple of bucks by having someone who can do maintenance on a piece of equipment, but then seventy five percent of the time they're doing something else. I don't think that's probably a good bargain. I, I think no. you're probably better off still contracting that out to a mechanic or something like that that has a specialty in that area. Not to mention the fact that the guy who's doing that work 25% of the time, it's probably going to take him twice or three times as long to do the work as someone who's just kind of like, you know, high volume mo- moving the stuff through their shop. 
So yeah. that's also something it, to, to yeah. Think if about. you don't and if you don't have account setups with with, with with the parts suppliers and things like that, you, you're going to waste more time trying to just trying to get approved to buy the parts than somebody who already has it set up. Yeah. Almost all of these equipment repair guys, they, they, they have, they have road service trucks. They will come to your office. They'll come to the, to the job site. They'll come wherever you ask them to show up. And, and it's not, it's, I guarantee it's not, not much more expensive than if you ha- are trying to pay your own mechanic to do the work. Yeah. Yep, most definitely. And and that's one of those expenses where it's like, um, <laughs> you know, if you're not running, you're not earning, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of those things where, look, if you do have to pay a little bit of a premium for someone to be on demand or, or to get it done a little bit quicker, it's worth it because you're going to end up and, – and here's the other thing. The, the, those things where if you find out that it's like always an emergency, well, then you've got a problem. Your, your maintenance plan sucks, right? Like if you're always having equipment that's breaking down on the job and it's now we got to rush to find someone or you got one guy who comes in to do it uh, and you're always having to call them in like like it's a 911 emergency, um, your, your maintenance program sucks or your equipment is just old and decrepit and, and you need to figure that out yes. business model wise. But yes. um, that that is a huge blaring warning sign. If you are continually down because your maintenance, you, because your equipment is broken or out of commission, something's got to give. You you are burning money, like you are basically burning hundred dollar bills because of that. Um, and so that that is something that really needs to be you know evaluated and fixed. So um, all right, I, I think those are the big things on the front end. The, the question then becomes, all right, how do you go about starting, say you don't have a plan in place, right? How do you put together basically an equi- equipment maintenance and uh, replacement program or plan? Well, I mean, first thing is start with, start with a list of what equipment you have. There yeah. are a ton of free, a, a free programs Inventory. out there that, yeah. that, that, that you can do it with. Um, the one that I've used, I mean, I, I, you know, we're not sponsored by them, but the one I've used in three, uh, three, the last three jobs, because I, I, I found it and I took it with me because it worked really well. Is a, it's a program called Asset Tiger. It's free for the first 100 pieces of equipment you have. So if you have 100 pieces of equipment, you, you get they give you they give you the database for free and you can track serial numbers, maintenance records, logs, whatever you want to track. And it's all free. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those things that, I mean, that's the basics. If you don't know what equipment you have, you, you have a problem right off the bat. Have that, a list of uh, what equipment you have. Is that, is that a mobile app? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Desktop yeah, and mobile, mobile app. app. Yeah. I'm not seeing the desktop. I see the mobile app on Apple, it, Google. It's, uh, it's there. There's, there's a desktop version of it. So I see Captera. Hold on. Let me pull it up. If I can get the uh, technology to work for me here. Here we go. This is the uh, reviews for Asset Tiger. And let's see. Do they have a website? Here we go. Visit the website. Let me get the right tab. Come on, Matt. Here we go. Your first, another thing you it's ain't my first rodeo. There's somebody who knows yeah. how to use technology. So this is, there. this is uh, Asset Tiger. It, yes. it is... Um, my asset 
uh, ag.com. So if you go to, uh, I believe this is, is this a part of a bigger company? If you go to my asset, what they are, they're an equipment tracking company. You can buy, you know, GPS trackers and all kinds of various stuff from them. But they have, they have a very basic, very simple inventory, uh, equipment inventory tracking software. Works fantastic. Uh, I've used it multiple times. It's very easy to set up, very user-friendly. Really, it's kind of idiot-proof. And yeah. I've used it with guys who are not, you know, who are older and not good with technology, and even they could figure it out. Um, but, you know, it, it'll, it'll track all your maintenance schedules, and, and it'll give you something that you can go off of. Um, we used to use it for keeping track of our um, our gas meters, which are very important that you uh, keep maintained, um, mm. and, and more importantly, have records that you're maintaining them. Uh, we used it for you know any any sensitive equipment that did any type of tracking or locating uh, that had various. You know, my last job we worked doing a lot of uh, DOT pipeline work and when you're doing that you need to have regular maintenance and regular calibrations on the equipment that you're when you're testing gas lines because if you don't do that and it's off or you miss something you miss a leak that could cause a big boom and yes most neighborhoods don't like it when their neighborhood goes boom <laughs> I, I would say that's counter indicated um <laughs> yes I, we, we had a meeting about it they don't like it um <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, that's awesome. So you can basically load in uh, up to 100 pieces of equipment um, into mm-hmm. Asset Tiger, or you can buy the the, the paid version. Yeah, if, if you have more. All, I mean, it's basically, it's basically, it, it's 100 pieces for free. You can attach photos of whatever, you're, of whatever you need. You can attach documents. It's really nice because you can attach the manuals right to it. Yeah. So if you have something that has user manuals that are routinely getting lost or misplaced you can put it in there and then anytime one of your guys is using the equipment and they don't know what they're doing they can open up the user manual right in the app that's awesome and um so all right so your your base set of maintenance on this equipment is going to be your first place you look is the manufacturer recommendations Yes. Okay. So whatever the manufacturer recommendations are, I know a bunch of people are going to look at it and be like, ah, we don't have to follow that. That's a load of bullshit. Dude, like, again, this is one of those things where you're you're better being conservative on this stuff because your equipment, depending on the job that you're in, is money. That's what it is, right? So even if it's, you know, even if you're doing maintenance ahead of time, that's better than doing it uh, behind the eight ball and something blows up or or doesn't work or anything like that um when do you deviate from the manufacturer schedule maintenance schedule yeah well listen i mean everybody knows their you know you know your jobs and and i would hope you know your equipment Mm -hmm. it's like it's like it's like changing the oil in your car they say every three to five thousand miles but i mean who who goes in right at three thousand miles now almost nobody uh you know you if, if you do a lot of highway driving, maybe you stretch it out to 10,000 miles. If you do a lot of city driving, maybe keep it at three or 2,500 or 2,000. Well, you know, it, yeah. it, the, the deviations are based on what you do. If you have a piece of equipment that's sat for 10 years, probably don't use the gas that's in the engine. Maybe, yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe filter out that gas because at this point it's probably, you know, 
lacquer Se- so separated or, or yeah. putty yes yeah um yeah it and and i would say um some of the manufacturer recommendations you know might be based oh. off of use hours it might be based off of mileage maybe a combination and, and, of things and, right? with, and listen any contractor knows also the manufacturer recommendations are because the manufacturer wants to make more money off of you you yeah, probably well, don't you probably don't need to change the windshield wipers every every 20 days yeah. i mean <laughs> they just want to make they just want to make 40 dollars off of a pair of windshield wipers yeah but you know well, the, the engine you know if it, if, it, if it has an engine follow the engine recommendation if it had especially if it has hydro if it has hydraulics anything that or hydraulic motors filters anybody who works construction knows those things are the first things that clog up they're the first things to blow mm. they're the first things to spray that i those are the things you need to keep clean um yeah. i if any of you have ever seen videos of farm tractors burning to the ground it's because they don't change out the air filters and what winds up happening is they clog up and then they start backing up into the engine and it starts a, you know, a grain fire in the engine. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, um, I, I think the rule of thumb is like, you can push your luck a little bit. Okay. But again, only if you're paying attention. Okay. If you're not paying attention to it, it's better that you just, whatever the schedule is, just set the schedule and, and that's what you should stick to. Right. If the, che- um, if the check engine light comes on. Electrical tape doesn't mean the check engine light's now turned off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just put a piece of tape like over that these, one. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't, no, it's not. <laughs> just cover up the Christmas tree on the dashboard and it's fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's your first stop, right? The, the manufacturer maintenance schedule, all right? After that, there are other things that you can include. And this is... Um, this is all, this also applies to say f- facilities maintenance, right? Like if you run a building, and it has to do with like AC units and furnaces mm-hmm. and boilers and things like that. Okay, it applies to this. It applies to fleet management. Um, so like maybe you're not running a ton of heavy equipment, but say you have a bunch of box trucks, delivery vehicles, limos, taxis, whatever. Right? You should have mm-hmm. scheduled maintenance. But then on top of that, you should also have an on-demand system that provides feedback if something needs to be fixed. And where you get that on-demand feedback from is uh, either or or both a pre or post shift uh, checklist. Okay. So if anyone is working on a piece of equipment, whether it's a vehicle, a big piece of mobile equipment, construction equipment or something like that, all right. There should be a at least pre or post shift checklist. I would suggest at the very least the pre shift because last thing you want is a, a worker getting into a piece of equipment that's not safe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pre shift checklist where they go through and they look at you know are are the lights working? Are all of the pieces working? Are all the fuel levels when I turn it on in the green? Right? Like, it, does everything seem like it's operational? If it's not, or if something you know, breaks or has a minor issue during that shift, okay, there needs to be an immediate feedback mechanism where then that worker gives you some kind of feedback or the foreman or someone that is tasked with overseeing the overall, you know, asset inventory and says, look, this thing broke or it wasn't functioning correctly, it needs to be fixed. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you can triage it, right? If it's something that's of immediate importance, next day it's got to be done or overnight yes. depending on you know 
how how important it is for the job site. If it's something that's like you know, especially if it's of, safety related, anything yes, if, it, if any of it is safety related, it should be pulled from service immediately. Yes, exactly. And and look, we understand that these pieces of equipment are going to be beat to hell. Like they are, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them, if, especially if they're in the construction industry. They're going to get dinged. They're going to get, you know, cracks. They're going to get, you know, there's going to be broken bulbs and stuff like that. They're associated with it. But you need to seriously triage what's going on. If it is a scratch on the side of the fender, that's not something that necessarily needs to be taken care of immediately or maybe even at all over the long term. Um, But if it's something as serious as, you know, problems in, in movement, hydraulic fluid levels, pressure, engine you know issues things like that all of that needs to be priority and taken care of regardless of where you are in the standard maintenance uh plan or maintenance schedule from the manufacturer yep yeah so um i wish that went without saying but it's just it's it's one of those things where you would think that but it just it just isn't i I mean i i have i have seen some i have gotten into some terrible equipment well, I'm just like, I'm going to die if I drive this thing, aren't I? <laughs> or, or like, I if you if you have a backhoe or something like that, right? The stabilizers are an extremely important part of that piece of equipment to maintain multiple points of contact with the ground. If one of them is not working, I would say that that is a crucial piece of equipment yes. that needs to be fixed immediately. And yet, you know, sometimes yeah. that's not exactly the case. I was given a truck one time that didn't have a working dashboard, like nothing, speedometer, fuel gauge. It was all, and I pointed that out. They said, oh yeah, it's been like that for years. Yeah. What? <laughs> Wait, when the officer pulled you over, did you give him like uh, from planes, trains, and automobiles? No, I, I you, was You know, told... I, I don't know how fast I was going. The speedometer melted on us back no, there. So. <laughs> I, I was told, this was, this was the exact phrase I was told by my supervisor. Just run the GPS on your phone, and it'll tell you how fast you're going. <laughs> um, anyway, I didn't wow. work there for very long because I was like, yeah, I'm not risking my life for somebody else's business. <laughs> I, it's such a simple solution. <laughs> just, just run your phone's GPS. It'll tell you how fast you're going. Or, or here's a thought. Get the dashboard fixed. Yeah. You think, you know what's crazy is you tell me that story and it could be something as simple as a fuse. Yeah. Right. Like that's the other thing. It, 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 that, uh, if you don't get it checked out. Yeah. Unless it's one of those early 2000 Chevy, Chevy, um, pickup trucks, in which case those things, it was, it was literally the dashboard and the only way to fix it, you'd have to take the dashboard out of the truck, ship it back to Chevy. They would fix it and send you back the dashboard. Yeah. Or well not the dashboard, the instrument cluster is what I'm what I what I mean. Yeah. That was just yeah. what a poor design. Just a <laughs> I, God, like what the hell was GM thinking sometimes? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But <laughs> that being said, um yeah, please please maintain your equipment. I mean yes. you know, it this this also falls into that, you know, penny wise, pound foolish um argument quite quite often. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, at the beginning of the program, we we talked about all of the reasons why this can go south on you. Um, don't risk the the uh, the existence of your business or the lives of your employees 
because you know you don't want to fix a 50 100 or even a thousand dollar part because quite frankly you know a thousand dollars is nowhere near the worth the worth of one of your employees lives um yeah. so <clears throat> no no but, especially according to the lawyers they will they will definitely argue against that i they will make it as as valuable as they possibly can that's for sure so mm -hmm. um but yeah that's that's all i really got it's it's really yes. simple we have templates so if anyone is like man where the hell do we even start if you don't want to use a technological solution we do have you know written templates of policies and procedures for say like equipment yes. maintenance schedules and facilities maintenance schedules so we can provide that um a nice little technological solution like asset tiger asset tiger asset tiger. Mm -hmm. um it is is going to be also you know pretty nice plug and play option for yes. that as well um and we can also work with you on you know those those pre-trip or post-trip checklists to make yes, sure I have, that i have pages of those things from yeah. my usually because i was the one writing them and designing them i mean i i have custom made those things for multiple companies yeah. so if you need them by all means send an email i i'm sure i can find one that'll work for you here's also something that's really interesting um empower your employees to you know say something right like yeah don't if, if they if they question a piece of equipment or they're worried of about the safety of something dude don't treat them like the enemy treat them like someone who is legitimately concerned and looking out for you and your business and also the other people on the job site um you know empower them to be able to do those things and and say those things and give that feedback mm -hmm. because if you don't or you come down hard on them dude there's going to be something major that they saw that you didn't that gets missed and then all of a sudden there's a catastrophe and it could yes. have been fixed just from saying you know just from being open to hearing their feedback and and allowing them to or at know, the very least the alarm at the very least you'll have a tough time getting employees because word in the construction expect construction any of those gets around fast hey that company has garbage equipment that'll kill you yeah and and i i i've seen i i left i left because i didn't feel safe with the job i mean yeah. you know it guys will leave you if they don't if they feel like their the equipment is going to kill them yeah because again and we've said this in other videos and i'll say it again you're not family with them they don't care mm. you're their you're their you're their their house payment you are their meal for the week and yeah. if they think you're going to try and have them killed they're not going to hang around mm-hmm well, I the, the 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 allegiance is not and the loyalty is not indefinite. In fact, it's in many cases it's very paper thin. So, mm -hmm. you know, also remember that. Like, and quite frankly, they will be more inclined to stick around if you empower them to raise concerns about the safety of the equipment and the job site and things like that, because they will know that you're actually interested in keeping them safe and getting them back to their families in the same state at which they reported to work in the morning or the afternoon or whatnot. So um, that's also a really big take home here is there is also a component where you can, you can build a good culture within your organization by empowering your employees to, you know, proactively take a role in this, you know? Yes. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's all I got. Anything else I missed or you missed or, or we haven't talked about? <sighs> No, I mean it's you know just just uh, 
Just remember that, I mean, for small stuff, make sure you have backups so you can, in fact, cycle cycle tools in and out uh, for larger equipment. I, obviously, that's not as easy, but they just have scheduled maintenance. I mean, if you have two, three days coming up where you don't need a piece of equipment, maintain it. Mm. Have somebody go check the fluids. Have somebody wa- wash it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's doing stuff as simple as just washing the mud and crud off of something it improves its functionality. I you also raise a really good point. I, I always do. Have have a plan B. Yes. Right? So if if you do have a large piece of equipment that you can't maintain a, a duplicate of because it's too expensive, okay? If it goes down, what are you going to do? If you have to wait a couple of weeks for a part or something, what are you going to do? You got to run, right? So have in place ahead of time some kind of agreement, either an equipment rental place that you can go to in order to get a replacement piece of equipment or another, you know, one or two or three other firms that are out there in the same industry that you're in that they might have idle equipment that you could go rent from them or borrow from them and use, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a whole ball of wax that comes with that too. That needs to be an agreement. That can't just be a handshake. Yes. Okay, there, there needs to be something in place that says, okay, you know, if it hits the fan, I'm going to borrow this piece of equipment or that piece of equipment. This is how much it's going to cost for me every single day to borrow it from you. This is who's responsible for the maintenance before and after and everything like that, right? Like all that has to be laid out ahead of time because if you're stuck trying to do it, you have no leverage. They have all the leverage because you're screwed, right? So that's if you are if you are the rentor or the rentee, for the love of God, tell your insurance company that you're doing that with your equipment. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, involve your broker or your risk manager. Do not just think that you can swap equipment back and forth because it needs to be rescheduled. It needs to be scheduled or reported. Look, when you when you borrow it from someone else, if they're saying that you're responsible for covering the damage on it, it has to be added to your your property schedule. That's an asset value that needs to be recorded because if it's not and something happens, your insurance company is going to be like, yeah, that's not our problem. <laughs> it wasn't on the schedule. Right. Um, that's not so your equipment. You, Doesn't look like it's my problem. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's a you problem. That's not an us problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So that's something to remember as well. And that needs to be done ahead of time. Right. You can't be scrambling to come up with plan B when, you know, everything has already gone to crap. So yep. make sure that you have that play in place ahead of time, um, especially a number of piece, a number of businesses out there in, in so many industries not just construction and real estate, they have one or two pieces of equipment that if they don't, if they go down, they're, they're out of commission. They're not doing anything. Right. Um, and, and so you need to identify those things and have a plan B and even maybe even a plan C just in case plan B doesn't work either. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yes, and and I, and I already hear I already hear some of the people in the background of this video going, but Matt and Ellen, what about equipment breakdown coverage? Read it. I will yeah. put money on it that it doesn't cover what you think it covers. There's a deductible, first of all. Second of all, it doesn't pay for wear and tear. Mm-hmm. So if this is something where if you, you are not dis- maintaining it, it ain't paying for it. <laughs> if you disregard the maintenance, the engine seizes up or something like that, not covered not covered okay 
It needs to be a catastrophic failure from some other reason other than the fact that you didn't maintain your equipment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, the, the, the plane that falls out of the sky because the bird flies through the engine, okay, that's equipment breakdown. All right, the the plane that falls out of the sky so because you forgot to maintain the engine problem, is not equipment breakdown. <laughs> Amongst other things, it, it is a lot of other things too. But yeah, yeah. So um, just something to remember on that. So yeah, you're, if you're driving along and the wheel falls off because you didn't put the lug nuts on. <laughs> yeah, that that's well. I mean, hopefully the hopefully the uh, mechanic didn't forgot to put the lug nuts on because then maybe we could go back on yes and hopefully it wasn't your in-house mechanic hopefully it was an <laughs> yes exactly so uh look that's all i got um that's all i got yeah i did good, good today short and sweet you uh you showed up thanks i i'm good at that <laughs> I, I i uh i get the participation trophy that's the you're welcome thing. america <laughs> i look everyone knows that you're the looks and i'm the talent that's the way it goes isn't it um, or maybe you're the looks and the talent. I'm just uh, dead weight. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, well, no. You're 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 the guy who you're you're the production of Treadstone Risk Management. Oh, so. yeah, I'm, I'm, I produce things. <laughs> you <laughs> sign the checks. <laughs> um, yeah. Hopefully, I don't get carpal tunnel from doing it. But um, yeah, it'd be a real shame if I had to forge your signature repeatedly. <laughs> my 40 new tvs don't pay for themselves that that reminds me we need to up our fiduciary liability coverage <laughs> and employee theft um that is Not it theft. this is get caught <laughs> this is build your bottom line we are here every thursday at 8 30 p.m uh look uh if and when you watch this uh let us know what you want to hear about we want your feedback we yes. want you to Tell us what you know future episodes you would like to see. So if there are any topics that you are interested in, things that have been a pain in your ass that you need some clarification on or you need some guidance on, please let us know, you know what we can put into the schedule um, to help you out as a viewer and, and as someone who's kind of engaging in our content. Um, and I would implore everyone to, uh, I gotta wait for it to come by, uh, follow us on Twitter. And then hold on, I gotta wait for it to come. It's very slow scroll. And go to the link tree down there, um, and definitely check out our uh, all of the different outlets that we yes. put content out on. Specifically, the Facebook group. We are trying to build a community of contractors, real estate managers, um, real estate developers, and property owner operators to help all of you you know, gain and, and get some value from each other and be able to help each other out as well as help have professionals like Alan and myself add our expertise into the mix as well. And, you know, that way we can all basically grow together. Yes. Um, I, I almost yeah, used... Answer questions. And most importantly, you guys, yeah, start, we're, we're going to start posting podcasts. We came up with a great intro that he and I die every time we every time we listen to it. You have to so. see the you have to hear the intro. It is it is hilarious. Um, I, I would I would play it here, but I don't want to give away the the, the surprise. No. It is uh, yeah, on yeah. on any podcast platform that you listen to podcasts or or virtually any of them, all the major ones, you can find the podcast. So put in build your bottom line. You will be able to find us on most of those podcast platforms. And let us know what you think about the intro to the podcast. We had a lot of fun 
um, recording it and then editing it and then listening to it over and over and over again yes. afterward too. So yes, in, um, in many inappropriate places where I probably shouldn't have been listening to it, I was listening to it because I was laughing <laughs> that hard. Um, with that, it is the end of the show. This is episode two after the relaunch. If you count the relaunch as number one, so this is episode yeah, two. I count the relaunch as number one. This is numero dos. Yes, and yeah, you know so, what? We gave you just the right amount of information for this to be a true deuce yeah <laughs> um depending on who you are you you probably had enough time to take a deuce while we were, while we were doing this one um wow i this is gonna be fun going there, forward i, I think there yeah, is, I, right there. I, <laughs> cliff has been met bottom Look, of the if, ocean on its way if, if you can't learn and laugh at the same time then what's the point that's all yeah, i'm saying yeah. so um, with that, thank you very much, everyone. Have a good evening. Um, we look forward to uh, hearing your feedback and your comments, and we will be back next Thursday at 8.30 Eastern. Uh, see you. See you. Hey, thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the program. And gained some new insights. Remember to hammer that like button. And follow or subscribe. Make sure to tune in next time. And as always, build your bottom line. line. <laughs>